Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot. And for any first-timers, this is a true crime podcast that focuses on murders committed by military members and veterans, and sometimes their family members. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to enjoy listening, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. But today, I diverge a little bit from my murder stories, and I bring you a case that started as an attempted murder case, and the charges were later reduced but it's an infamous case nonetheless. And real quick, I need to correct a Mama Margot mistake from my previous episode on the cadet killers. I didn't realize that Navy Academy students are called midshipmen, not cadets. I'm so sorry. So my bad to the Navy. Next on the agenda, I want to say happy National Women's Month, ladies of the True Crime Army. I will say this. I never believed myself a feminist until I became a girl mom. A few weeks ago, I got to be in the presence of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and she talked about a time when women didn't work outside the home, a time where women were expected to be a fly on the wall and not opine on anything, and a time when women were a very small minority in classrooms, boardrooms, and courtrooms. And it was really eye-opening for me. As a working mother, I sometimes struggle with the concept of working outside the home, but then I realized that it makes the hours that I do have with my girls that much more special. I never thought myself a creative person, and then I created this podcast, and I see all the support that I get from women and men alike, and I hope my girls will continue to create, and that they will continue to mold women and men alike. Because like Michelle Obama shared with Lily Collins once, quote, here's to strong women. May we know them, may we be them, may we raise them, end quote. Here, here. And well, today, I chose a case that has to do with two very strong women. One, a NASA astronaut who was also a Navy officer and an Air Force captain. Two women who never met until one rainy night in the parking lot of Orlando International Airport in February 2007. But this meeting wasn't a coincidence. It was the result of careful planning by astronaut Lisa Nowak. This infamous case would be known for the fact that Lisa allegedly drove over 900 miles wearing a diaper to make fewer pit stops to confront her romantic rival. Join me today as I tell you the gripping story behind a case that made national headlines and continues to make headlines, especially since the fall of 2019 release of the movie, Lucy in the Sky. But this story is not only about Lisa. This story is about the survival of Colleen Shipman, Now, let's dig in. Of all the cases I covered to date, this one by far had the most national coverage. But my main sources for today's episode were the NASA website, the space.com website, bustle.com, the Houston Chronicle, the Orlando Sentinel, ABC News, NBC News, and Time, People, and Cosmopolitan magazine. In the fall of 2006, Air Force Captain Colleen Shipman was an Air Force engineer working at Patrick Air Force Base in Florida. 
As a quick note, she was an 03 captain, not to be confused with the more senior rank of an 06 naval captain. Well, and rank really isn't important for this case. It's just important for people who are familiar with military ranks. In November of 2006, as told by Colleen to People magazine, she and a friend had crashed a party when she met a very charismatic man named William Oflett. Bill, as he was known to his friends, knew how to work a room, and that was evident to Colleen. And so they began to chat, and he made her laugh all night long. He told her that he was a smoke jumper, which is a firefighter who parachutes into remote areas to combat wildfires. But he wasn't a smoke jumper at all. In reality, he was a NASA astronaut, and he was actually getting ready to go to space the following month. So they met in November, and he was getting ready to go on a, I was going to say spaceship, but on a shuttle to space the next month in December. In addition to being an astronaut, he was also a naval commander, which is an 05 rank. But you know, Bill wasn't too keen on sounding like he had a lame pickup line like, hey, I'm an astronaut, what do you do for a living? And so he made up this whole thing about being the smoke jumper because he didn't want to sound, you know, like a fraud or, or basically like he was just being snooty. And as a side note, I kind of understand what he meant. He means I met someone once who was a scientist, a rocket scientist, to be exact. And he hated saying it out loud because he said that it sounded fake and people didn't believe him. They just kind of gave him this blank stare. And well, that's the same thing that happened with Bill. But, you know, Colleen could see right through Bill's lies. And she knew from her work in Space Command that he was actually the pilot for the upcoming space launch. Well, that night, Bill and Colleen hit it off and they exchanged numbers. And like everything in the military, everything moves more quickly in the military. And you know how they have, I don't even know, do they still have that like one week rule where if you exchange numbers, you're not supposed to like look them up on Facebook or Instagram or text message them for like a week? Well, in the military, that's like not a real thing (laughs) because everything moves so quickly. And they wasted no time in calling each other. And by the next day, they were already on a double date. And after the double date, they went to a movie. And by the time that Bill was getting ready to launch into space, he had invited Colleen to be his guest to the space launch party. There, Colleen met Bill's mom and they said farewell to Bill and off he went into space, which is pretty awesome. Apparently, the pair really fell for each other quickly because emails between the pair were later recovered and they were saying I love you back and forth and sending provocative emails to one another during Bill's stint in space. Bill returned in either late January or early February 2007 And Colleen made plans to go see him. And she did that in February. And by all accounts, their reunion went well. Then, on Colleen's return trip from Texas to Florida, things began to get crazy. On February 5th, 2007, Colleen landed at the Orlando International Airport around midnight, between midnight and 1 a.m. And it was there that Colleen was followed by a strange woman who practically chased her to her car in the remote airport parking lot. Colleen was parked. Uh, So for those of you familiar, let me just explain. You know, when you go to the airport, there's a parking garage that's like right outside the airport. But that usually costs like $40 or $50 to park. And then there's that parking that's further out. That's like $9.99 a day. That's exactly where Colleen was parked. But to get there, she had to get on a shuttle. Well, Colleen told Dateline that she was in the bus that transports you from the airport to the remote parking lot when she saw a woman sitting there. Colleen tried to make courteous eye contact with the woman and she offered a friendly hello, but the woman didn't reciprocate. At this point, it was roughly three in the morning and Colleen exited the bus and began making her way to her car. When as she was walking, she realized that the woman was following her. 
So Colleen began to walk more briskly because she wasn't sure if maybe the lady's car was just near hers and she didn't want to freak out. But as she picked up the pace, she realized that the woman following her also picked up the pace. So Colleen began to kind of like jet towards her car and she fumbled with her car keys, but she was able to actually get into her car and lock the door behind her when the woman was right under her driver door trying to open the door. Colleen quickly turned her car on and she's trying to leave, but the woman outside her car kept pleading, please, 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 I need help, please help me. And so Colleen kept saying, if you need help, I'll call someone to help you. Somehow, the lady outside the car seemed very sympathetic and Colleen felt secure enough to lower her window just a crack. And just as she lowered her window, the woman standing outside sprayed pepper spray into Colleen's car. The spray quickly filled Colleen's mouth and nostrils with the spicy, you know, spray of pepper spray. But Colleen quickly put the car in drive and she drove off, escaping the madwoman. Colleen told a parking lot attendant on her way out to call the police, and the police soon arrived and discovered the alleged perpetrator by a dumpster. She had just disposed of some items. Colleen thought that she had just escaped a carjacking. But in the next few hours, days, and months, a different picture would emerge of this random woman who had attacked her. Colleen was not a random victim of a violent crime. The attack wasn't random at all because the woman who attacked Colleen that night was a highly successful NASA astronaut. It was 43-year-old Lisa Nowak, astronaut and Navy captain. But before I continue with the story, I need to take you back and I need to introduce you to Lisa. Hi everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy. And it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus, which listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code Mama Margo, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T for 15% off. Enjoy. And when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Lisa Nowak was born on May 10th, 1963 in Washington, D.C., She was married, but had recently been separated from her husband, Richard, of 19 years. 
the pair had three kids together, a teenage son and five-year-old twin girls. In 1985, Lisa graduated from the Naval Academy in Annapolis with a degree in aeronautical engineering. She earned her wings as a Naval flight officer in 87, and she received her master's degree in aeronautical and astronautical engineering in 92. And in 96, she was selected by NASA to be an astronaut. So, while she was still in the Navy, her assignment was at NASA. Time Magazine reported that Lisa was deeply affected by the 2003 Columbia shuttle explosion. That explosion killed seven astronauts on February 1, 2003, during their return mission to Earth. Three of those killed were in Lisa's NASA class. And one astronaut in particular, Laurel Clark, was one of Lisa's best friends. And I can't imagine losing a best friend like that. I can't imagine that the astronaut community is very large, and as a woman, I imagine that finding another woman companion in the middle of all that testosterone was probably pretty difficult. So there's also that. She lost a very good friend. In a pre-brief mission in 2007 before Lisa went to space, Lisa admitted to NASA that the Columbia mission was devastating, but it was even harder because she knew the astronauts. Lisa flew her one and only mission to space, STS-121, on the Space Shuttle Discovery on July 4, 2006, and that was only seven months before the assault on Colleen. The shuttle mission lasted 13 days, and while in space, she operated the robotic arm for several spacewalks. At the time of this story, Lisa was the chief communicator between Mission Control and the shuttle Atlantis crew, which was scheduled to fly in April of that year. Ugh, guys, what the heck? This woman, Lisa Nowak, is amazing. She's blazing the way for young girls everywhere, blazing the way for moms everywhere, and she's blazing the way for space exploration everywhere until her very public fall from grace. Well, you're probably wondering, how are Lisa and Colleen connected anyway? Well, Lisa knew Bill. Remember Colleen's new boyfriend? She knew him a little too well, we might say. Lisa would go on to tell investigators that her and Bill had a complicated relationship. And this is kind of funny because do you guys remember when Facebook used to have a relationship status? Or maybe it's it maybe it still does. I don't know. But under relationship status, it used to have the option to pick complicated. Well, if Lisa was on Facebook at the time of this story, I imagine that's what her relationship status would be. Anyway, Lisa told detectives that her and Bill had, quote, more than a working relationship, but less than a romantic relationship, end quote. Okay, tell me more, Lisa. Now I'm intrigued. What kind of relationship was this? Well, Lisa and Bill met back in 1996 as soon as she had become an astronaut. According to Time Magazine, they trained together at the NASA Space Shuttle Program. Although, according to Lisa, their relationship was no biggie, Bill told a different story. He said that their relationship was, quote, somewhat exclusive, end quote, and began in 2004 and ended in November of 2006, around the same time that Bill set his sights on Colleen. So the entire time that Lisa was having this, quote, less than a relationship, end quote, with Bill, she was still married to Richard, even though, according to Bill, their relationship was, quote, somewhat exclusive, end quote. Okay, listen, I cannot not comment on these grown adults right now, I mean, I thought that high school and college hookups were complicated and unclear, but this right here takes the cake. Bill admits that once things started to get serious with Colleen, 
He called it quits with Lisa. And remember, she's married and still not separated from her husband. And Bill believed that the breakup was amicable, but this was far from Lisa's reality. At some point after the breakup, Bill told Lisa about Colleen, and Lisa was not a happy camper. She must have really wanted to stay in this less-than-a-relationship relationship for some reason. Reports indicate that Lisa broke into Bill's apartment and his computer and discovered some steamy emails between him and Colleen. These emails served to ignite Lisa's fury, and it has been said that Lisa made an elaborate plan to either kill or just confront Colleen. Some of the emails have actually been reprinted in news reports, and I'm going to link to those on my website if that's something that you're interested in seeing. Lisa found Colleen's flight itinerary, presumably by hacking into Bill's computer, and she decided that she would personally drive 14 hours, which is roughly 900 plus miles from Houston to Orlando Airport, making minimal stops and using only cash to avoid any sign that she had traveled to confront a woman she believed to be her romantic rival. Lisa later told detectives that she went to the Orlando airport just to talk to Colleen, but surveillance video later obtained by police show a different story. It showed Lisa, who was wearing a disguise, waiting for Colleen at the airport, and her disguise consisted of a large coat, a dark-colored wig, and sunglasses. When Lisa spotted Colleen after Colleen had cleared the secure area of the airport, Lisa was only a few feet away, always keeping Colleen in her sight. Colleen was having some typical airport issues. Specifically, her bag had been delayed, so it was another two hours at the airport trying to figure out that mess. All the while, Lisa was waiting patiently, although she does appear to be pacing at some points. Lisa never put down her duffel bag, her duffel bag, which a police later called a kill bag. The New York Times reports that in this kill bag, she had a steel mallet, a BB gun, a four-inch knife, and large trash bags. What in the world? If that's not a kill bag, I'm not sure what is, but let's, 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 let's continue with the story, okay? As the time approached to leave the airport, the surveillance video showed Lisa putting on a large, puffy, light, almost white, tan-colored coat. And as Lisa was walking behind Colleen, her hat fell off, but Lisa didn't even bother to pick it up. Also, guys, she was wearing sunglasses in the airport, and mind you, it's like two or three in the morning. Then the attack happened, as described earlier. And when the police found Lisa, they found that in the dumpster, Lisa had dumped her wig and the BB gun. At the precinct, at the time of her arrest, Lisa spoke to the police without an attorney. And we will later learn that this wasn't voluntary, as Lisa had on at least one occasion asked for an attorney or about an attorney, but was denied or ignored. But after it was all said and done, the evidence, the statement, the surveillance video, it was all enough for police to charge Lisa with attempted murder, attempted kidnapping, and battery. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. 
It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. Lisa, nonetheless, was released on bail but forced to wear an ankle bracelet. How embarrassing. Lisa's defense team was furious by the charges. Attempted murder? Of the charge, Donald Lickback. I don't know. I probably butchered that. He was the attorney. He said, quote, What we have is a desperate woman who wanted to have a conversation with the other woman. She doesn't shoot her. She doesn't stab her. End quote. Wow. I mean, he's not wrong. Colleen is alive. But if she's alive, is it because there was never an intent to kill? Or is it because Colleen ran and fled? As Rust, a profiler from Wife of Crime, likes to say, quote, not me, not today, buddy. End quote. Guys, go listen to Wife of Crime. It's a true crime podcast and it's pretty funny. Anyway, in this story, just because you have a quick-witted victim doesn't remove the blame from the perpetrator, you know? However, as reported by the Houston Chronicle, the prosecutor thought the charges filed by the police were overzealous and rejected the attempted murder charge and proceeded instead with attempted kidnapping with intent to inflict bodily harm or terrorize, burglary of a conveyance with a weapon, and battery. But NASA was understandably not having any of it. And on March 7, 2007, NASA issued a statement that read, quote, U.S. Navy Captain Lisa Nowak's detail as a NASA astronaut has been terminated, effective March 8th, by mutual agreement between NASA and the U.S. Navy. NASA requested an end to the detail because the agency lacks the administrative means to deal appropriately with the criminal charges pending against Nowak. Because Nowak is a naval officer on assignment to NASA, rather than a NASA civil servant, she is not subject to administrative action by NASA. Nowak will receive her next assignment from the U.S. Navy. NASA's decision to terminate Nowak's detail does not reflect any position by NASA on the criminal charges pending in Florida, end quote. So that really burst Nowak's bubble. I mean, what did she expect when she chased down a woman in an airport 900 miles from her place of residence and pepper sprayed her? A few months after Lisa was terminated in late May, Bill received his NASA pink slip as well. On Friday, November 2nd, 2007, a motion to suppress evidence obtained from Lisa's BMW, which was parked at a hotel, and her 72-page statement to police, which I assume is the transcript of the interrogation. Well, the defense had filed a motion to suppress that evidence, all the evidence obtained in the BMW and her statement, and the judge granted the motion to suppress which means that the prosecutor couldn't introduce any of that evidence at trial. And now all the prosecutor had to submit at trial was Colleen's statement, the surveillance video at the airport, the things they found in the dumpster, and the items on Lisa's person at the time of the arrest. Now, the prosecutors weren't allowed to use any of Lisa's statement to police because as reported by ABC News, the lead detective, Chris Becton, failed to, one, 
answer Lisa's questions about getting an attorney. Two, he refused to let her make a call. And three, the detective didn't obtain her written consent to search her BMW. I, I, I don't know. I'm assuming that maybe they didn't have a probable cause warrant to search the car. Anyway, and as I indicated just a few minutes ago, everything that they found in her BMW was also suppressed. But what was in her car was very important. One, they found a map of Colleen's house. So mind you, they had a map of Colleen's house in Lisa's car. They found the printed emails between Bill and Colleen. They found large garbage bags, latex gloves, and used diapers. Yes, you heard it here. There it is. This case is mostly known because of the famous astronaut diapers. And the media had a field day with this one piece of evidence. But remember, the fact that there were used diapers didn't come into evidence at trial because that was suppressed by the judge. As reported by ABC, the defense has sworn up and down that Lisa didn't wear diapers during her 14-hour trek. But the detective who took her statement said it's true because Lisa told him. But since the used diapers weren't photographed by crime scene folks, nor taken into custody, we will always have to wonder if Lisa actually had used diapers to commit her crime. Lisa argued that the diapers were children's diapers, not to be confused with adult diapers, and that she had them in her car since 2005. Now listen, new diapers, I tend to believe her. Because she's a mom, she has twin five-year-old daughters, and moms have to stash diapers like squirrels hiding snacks for winter because you never know when you'll need one. Now, mind you, her daughters are five. They don't need diapers. But, you know, sometimes us moms, we're really good at hiding things and you don't find them till a few years later. But used diapers, two years is a little over the top. And I am sure that even the smell of pee would be a little too much to handle for two years in your car. Anyway, diapers or no diapers, we already know what evidence was introduced at trial or at least what evidence they had to introduce at trial. There was the duffel bag that Lisa was seen carrying the entire time in the airport in the surveillance video. And in that bag, she had a steel mallet, a buck knife, a BB gun apparently that resembled a real 9mm handgun, which is pretty scary. And she also had six feet of rubber tubing. And of course, the most compelling of all, they had Colleen's statement. After Lisa's slight win in court, Lisa struck a plea deal and, as reported by John Schwartz of CNN, Lisa pled guilty to felony burglary of a car and misdemeanor battery. Colleen was extremely disheartened by the final charges and the conviction in this case, because as the evidence continued to play out in the media and in life, Colleen knew that had she not had a quick reaction, she would be dead. And I found Colleen's statement to the court during sentencing and I want to play certain portions of it. I was originally going to play the whole thing. It's about 10 minutes long, but I decided not to because she goes into the entire story of what happened. And I already explained that. So I'm going to play the key portions of her statement where she talks about the victim impact. And here it is. It's my understanding that Lisa Nowak had researched murder, corpse dismemberment, as well as disguises and trace evidence. And I'm 100% certain that Lisa Nowak came here to murder me. And I believe that she never thought she'd get caught. (laughs) 
My life since Lisa Nowak has attacked me is unrecognizable. The world as I knew it before Lisa Nowak attacked me is gone. Every stranger I see is a potential attacker. Going out into public is exhausting. I constantly look over my shoulder trying to keep track of everyone around me so that I can't be a victim to a surprise attack again. I shake uncontrollably and get terrible migraine headaches and nausea each time a court event, a media story, or unwanted flashback recalls this attack. I have horrible anxiety, and especially at night. I can't sleep without a light on. I have terrifying nightmares of being doused with acid and cut into little pieces. Sometimes when I first wake up, I briefly see my nightmare attacker dissolving into the shadows of the room while I scramble from the bed to get away from her. Almost three years of counseling hasn't changed those nightmares. I have barricaded my doors, put in an alarm system, purchased a shotgun, and got my license to carry a concealed weapon, all in an effort to feel secure again. None of it has worked. Even now when something startles me, my tongue and nose sting as if they'd just been hit again with pepper spray. The trauma of Lisa Nowak's attack has caused me to suffer from medical ailments that I am otherwise too young and too healthy for, like high blood pressure, dizzy spells, chest pains. It hurt worse than any words I know can describe when I found out that a fellow military officer, a stranger to me, but a sister in arms, attacked and targeted and attacked me. Before that, I'd always thought of the military as my second family. Her attack was a rude awakening, and it broke my heart. Lisa Nowak's crime has ruined my career. Because of my medical problems stemming from her highly publicized attack on me, I lost my job and my career in the Air Force. It's tragic that a high-ranking officer can attack a lower-ranking officer and retain her commission. As an astronaut at NASA, Lisa Nowak had access to some of our nation's best medical and mental health care. She had choices in how to deal with her anger. Lisa Nowak chose violence. Your Honor, I believe 100% that Lisa Nowak came here to kill me. She forced a pepper spray canister into my car and used that weapon to hurt me. It was only by the grace of God and some quick footwork that I escaped with my life. Your Honor, in deciding on Lisa Nowak's sentence, I implore you to give special consideration to the deliberate and precise nature of her crime, to her failure to abide by her bond conditions, and especially the immense damage that her crimes have caused. Thank you. Isn't it terrifying to hear how Lisa's actions, even though what she ultimately ended up doing was chasing and pepper spraying a strange woman in a parking lot at three o'clock in the morning, seems to many of us to be, you know, so light compared to the crimes that we're used to seeing. But Colleen has been affected by this. I mean, she's basically changed her entire life. Now she carries a weapon everywhere she goes. She doesn't trust strangers that she meets in the street. I mean, it is terrifying. After Colleen said her piece, it was Lisa's turn to say or not say anything. And this is what happened in court. I'm glad to have this opportunity to apologize to Ms. Shipman in person. Why don't you turn and face Ms. Shipman when you do this? I'm glad to have the opportunity to apologize to you, Ms. Shipman, in person. I am sincerely sorry for causing fear and misunderstanding and 
all of the intense public exposure that you have suffered. Um, I hope very much that we can all move forward from this um, with privacy and peace. As I watched Lisa's statement, I was very unimpressed. I'm not sure if it was because she was just so embarrassed or if she just didn't give a crap and she just wished that she could have gotten away with murder. I I don't know. She just, her demeanor just seemed very nonchalant. And I have a feeling, hopefully, that it's the former. But, you know, I guess Lisa is the only one who will ever know. Ultimately, Lisa walked away with a slap on the wrist from the court. She received a year of probation, community service, and counseling. And the counseling was allegedly for anger management. Outside the courtroom, Lisa told reporters, quote, I know this has also been very hard for Colleen Shipman, and I would like her to know how very sorry I am for having frightened her in any way and about the subsequent public harassment that has followed all of us, end quote. I like how Lisa always manages to bring it back to her. It's all about her, right? Because the story is all about her. Fast forward to 2010, and Lisa is still in the Navy, and the Navy has to make a very tough decision. They have to decide whether they're going to administratively discharge Lisa or if they're going to allow her to retire from the Navy. Now, if they decide to administratively discharge her, it will be as if her 20 years or 20 plus years in the military didn't exist because she wouldn't be getting any of the benefits of being a retiree. It's almost like she'd be fired. So in August of 2010, Lisa had to face a board of officers And this board of officers was made up of three admirals. That's the highest ranking people in the Navy. And they heard all the facts of the case. And then they were tasked with making a recommendation to the secretary of the Navy. Those three admirals, after hearing everything that happened, everything that happened in court, and also probably evidence that wasn't allowed at court, the three admirals recommended to the Navy that they administratively discharge Lisa Nowak with not an honorable, but an under honorable conditions discharge, which is not a good thing. However, the online news reports about this case and what ended up happening to Lisa are unclear because all the websites that I saw and all the news articles that I saw, they state that Lisa was allowed to retire with a general service characterization and that the Navy decided to retire her in the lower grade of Naval commander. But that is legally impossible because you can't allow someone to retire with anything less than an honorable. So what I believed happened was that the case went up to the secretary of the Navy for final decision. And they're sitting on this recommendation that she be given the boot, basically. But the secretary of the Navy allowed her instead to retire in the lower grade. But, you know, what do I know? This could all be wrong, um, but I don't think so, because I don't think it's possible to retire with anything less than a I'm pretty sure, like 100% sure, like 99.9% sure. Actually, no, I'm 100% sure that you can't retire with anything less than an honorable from the military. And I'm talking about retirement, like actual retirement. Anyway, after the entire ordeal, Lisa's actions had repercussions for all parties involved. Colleen, the victim in this case, was never able to make a full recovery after being physically assaulted and learning that the incident could have resulted in her death, but for her quick response. Colleen was eventually medically retired from the Air Force, so she lost her military career over this. Bill lost his assignment with NASA and retired from the Navy in 2008. 
Whether there were any repercussions against him besides losing his job with NASA, I just don't know. What I do know is that Colleen and Bill did get married in 2010, and they now have a son. Colleen told People magazine that she was shocked at how she was mostly forgotten in the entire ordeal. Colleen felt that people focused more on the possibility that Lisa may have worn a diaper than on the fact that she drove cross-country with the intent to kill. Colleen also felt that she was personally ostracized for the events that played out, even though she was the victim. According to Colleen, the Air Force forced her to report to work every day, meaning that as an officer, you just get to kind of show up and do your job and nobody really harasses you or worries about you. But Colleen was forced to come into work and then actually report her presence to someone else. In addition to this, she was forced to move on to an apartment on base. And the kicker, guys, this is the kicker. She was given a no contact order against Bill, which is For those of you who don't know, a no contact order is like a restraining order, meaning you can't come in to however many feet within that person. You can't contact them by email, phone or anything like that, or even through third parties. Even though Colleen was single and Bill was single and they didn't do anything wrong, Colleen was ordered by the military not to have any contact with her boyfriend. And this to me seemed pretty far fetched. That's the military. But Colleen was happy to be alive and soon so would Bill he would be happy that he was alive. Because in October of 2011, as reported by Space.com, Bill was flying a six-seat Regal Air Cessna 206 when the aircraft stalled in the air and crashed about 50 miles north of Anchorage. However, it wasn't time for Bill to die because he steered the small plane into a swampy area of bushes about 200 feet from Judd Lake. The airplane was badly damaged, but Bill and the other two on board were scratch free. And I just want to point out that I really, in my heart, I hope that Bill and Colleen are good people because not too many people get that close to death yet walk away without a physical scar. I think they are. I think these these two are good people, hopefully. Bill and Colleen now live in Alaska and they have a website. It's called adventurewrite.com. And Wright is W-R-I-T-E. Colleen wrote a book under pen name C.M. McCoy. The book is called Eerie, and it is listed as a teen young adult fantasy book. If you read it, guys, let me know because I haven't read it. Like I said earlier, this case created a media frenzy. I watched the news report on YouTube where they had to like actually close down the streets in Orlando because it was just so crazy. People just trying to come in and park during any of the public appearances or anything like that. I would equate this case to like Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. Anytime they do anything, if they sneeze the wrong way, there's like a news article about it. That's exactly what this case was like, at least between the years of 2007 and 2010, 2011, because just people couldn't get enough. Well, in 2011, Lisa did something interesting. Lisa asked the criminal court to seal the criminal record to keep people from getting their hands on it argument was something about her trying to get a job or something like that. But the judge denied it and said that the public deserved a chance to know the truth. Well, Lisa re-requested that the record of her case be sealed. And in 2012, the judge approved her request and closed the case from public viewers. In the fall of 2019, a movie loosely based on the facts in this case hit the big screen. The movie was called Lucy in the Sky with actors Natalie Portman and John Hamm as the leads. And the movie was directed by Noah Hawley. 
that movie has caused a lot of big news sources to reopen discussions about this case. Well, Colleen is very vocal and she's always been. She's always been a fighter and she's always willing to talk to magazines and and newscasters about the case. She was able to get her hands on the entire record before the judge sealed it. And it looks like Colleen plans to write a tell-all book about her experience. And when she does, I'll be the first one to buy it because I'm interested in what she has to say. Houston, we have a problem. It's kind of crazy, this story, right? Because when I first thought about covering this case, I didn't think about the broader mental health piece. I never once stopped to think about mental health issues among the astronaut community. But it's a subject that has been long discussed in higher echelons. Just Google astronaut mental health and a slew of web pages pop up. I never thought that being in space, being above it all in the quiet amazingness that is space, that when you do something so grand and so elite, when you return to this basic life, because let's be honest, it doesn't matter how great you are. The majority of our time is spent doing basic things. And although that's okay, you know, for us basic people, and yes, I called myself basic because I am just a girl, (laughs) you know, it's much more difficult for people who live life on the edge, you know, be it astronauts in space, service members in combat, or even mothers experiencing the low after giving, giving life to a human and, you know, everything in between. And at the end of the day, mental health matters. As I was reading a Time Magazine article about this case, and I'm not going to go too into mental health because I'm not educated in this and I don't know, you know. But as I was reading a Time Magazine article about this case, journalist Hillary Hilton and Barbara Liston noted that the OG, meaning the original gangster astronauts, they were disciplined people, but they weren't angels. The OG astronauts were plucked from the test pilot community And these people loved to drink, they loved fast cars, and they loved the ladies. They were practically celebrities. But NASA turned a blind eye because, quote, the country needed heroes, so a myth was created. NASA didn't go public with these matters, end quote. However, in this day and age, the media frenzy was crazy. And this was a story that just needed to be told over and over and over again. And here I am telling it again. This case will live forever. I mean, it's already embedded in pop culture. Of note, a 2017 movie called Rough Night, and I'm not sure if you've seen it, but that movie joked about doing a, quote, sad astronaut. And my very highly intellectual research on sad astronaut brought me to the always reliable Urban Dictionary. (laughs) And according, so do you guys know what Urban Dictionary is? If you don't, just go look it up. It's pretty freaking hilarious. You You can submit your... When people make up words, you can submit your own definition for them, but it's pretty funny. Well, according to Urban Dictionary, pulling a sad astronaut is when, quote, you're on a mission to drive somewhere and can't stop for a toilet break. So you wear a diaper and just keep on trucking, end quote. Yep, I think it's safe to say this is an infamous case. All right, for those of you wondering, Lisa is now in Texas where she lives a pretty quiet life and she stays out of the limelight. Colleen, Bill, and their son live in Alaska, as I stated earlier. So now that you know all of the facts, or at least all the facts that I was able to learn online, what do you think? Let me know on social, on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, 
or on Facebook at Military True Crime and always reliable Twitter at Military Murder. All right, guys, I just want to give a shout out to some folks who left reviews. So the first one is from Bridget, call her Bridge. Uh, she says, I just bumped into this podcast today. I feel like I'm hanging out with a friend. I'm hooked and I plan to go wherever possible and five star review it. And I have a bunch of binge listening in my near future. Girl, get there, please. Thank you so much for this review and keep going. Go wherever you can to leave a review and leave a review. I truly appreciate it. And then Matt, Matt says that him and his wife are both in the military and she loves murder crime podcasts and that (laughs) she loves my podcast. So he started listening to it and he loves it himself. He talks about, you know, that I'm able to create an aura of a roller coaster of emotions from clenching his fist to the relief of knowing the verdict at verdict at the end of each episode to the cliffhanger of any unsolved murders. And also he used to listen on her phone. But now Margot got him to download his own podcast app on his phone. So I just think that's so awesome. Thank you so much, Matt, for that review. And then one more. I mean, I I can give a shout out to all these folks, but. My girl, Tony, says that she loves the show and the way that I tell these stories. She says that she's been binge listening and she can't get enough. And she told me to keep digging in. All right. So that's all that I want to say for right now. This show was created and produced by Mama Margot Productions. Mama Margot Productions is me. What you see is what you get, guys. The music for this episode was created by Tyops. Please check out the show notes for a direct link to all of my sources page on my website, militarymurderpodcast.com. And until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of, not even astronauts. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you yet another military murder story next week. Shh, let's work another podcast.